Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. I remember booking a canoeing trip on Bear Lake with Viator. I remember my wife's sweet smile taking me back to us canoeing in summer camp. I remember thinking, my oh my, this moment is nothing short of perfect. I remember turtles. We all remember things differently. What's important is that they're worth remembering. From canoeing to the Coliseum, you can book it all. Use code Viator10 in the app for 10% off your first booking. Viator. One site, over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Custom Inc. is an awesome way to recognize employees, thank customers, and outfit your teams with their favorite products and brands customized with your logo. CustomInc.com lets you make your mark on water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and a ton more. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Oh yeah, and everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at CustomInc.com. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fruit Loops Season 3, Episode 8. Thank you so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Now, contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Mm -hmm. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that. 
our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. But I wanted to mention that if you don't want us to play it on the episode, just say so, and we won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And if you're not on Facebook, you can join the discussion on Twitter or Instagram by using the hashtag Fruit Loops Pod Discussion. And all of our footnotes for each episode, which articles and other media we use to source this story, the music notes, all of that stuff can be found on our website. That's right. And if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone and find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign fruit pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our pod and patron page. We also have some merch for sale on our website at fruitloopspod.com forward slash merch. And if you can't help monetarily, no biggie, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcast from, and be sure to share our show with your friends. So yeah. who are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Darren Dion Van, a man who killed at least seven women in Indiana. This subject was suggested to us by May in our Facebook discussion group. I think it's oh. May or Mail Mail. What do you think? Miley? Miley? Miley. May or Miley. It's spelled M-A-I-L-E. So if we fucked it up, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I do apologize. I was thinking it was May, but I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, we've already mentioned we are unqualified, so I don't yes. know, but please forgive us. So, uh, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really looking forward to our holiday weekend coming up. Oh, yes. Not <sighs> planning anything uh, really fantastic, just uh, trying to catch up. And I wanted to mention that we had an issue with our last episode going out, and it had to do with our pod hosting service. So the episode didn't go out when it was supposed to, and uh, we apologize. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the issue has been worked out. I think so. I mean, I checked I checked all the like feeds, and it looked like it was, last time I checked, it was everywhere but Stitcher. And Stitcher's kind and, of And PodCoin. Yeah. yeah. PodCoin is slow, too, so... So, um, but lo siento, please forgive us. Perdónanos. Yes. Um, yes. So you could have listened to any podcast in the world, but you are here with us and we are so, so grateful. Um, I was, um, uh, I had to travel to Tucson today for work and uh, I left my house and I had my contacts in and all of a sudden I was driving and it, they went blurry. Like it was kind of oh scary. Oh my God. So yeah. I had to, I had to like pull over and take them out and thank God I had my glasses with me or I would oh have been man. fucking screwed. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So being blind is no fun. Anyway, yeah. but uh, <laughs> all is, all is well over here. I was watching the VMAs and uh, they gave Missy Elliott the Vanguard award, which I was so, oh, wow. so happy it's so long overdue and i was just like i got my life together watching her performance like the hits she has are endless and yeah, she's such yeah. a fun performer to watch you know who miss Ellie is yes i do oh, look at you you are the best white lady <laughs> 
So, um, so now we are going to get into our listener letters. Hello, Angel. Thank you. <laughs> Let's see what's in this mailbag. So I just wanted to shout out our new patron, Erica. Yay! And shout out to all our other patrons. And I wanted to mention that we are working on a new bonus episode for you. And we are trying to get our episodes, our regular episodes, out early for our patrons. The goal is to release them Tuesday night. But so far, that's not been possible. Uh, so Wednesday evening is more likely, and last week I released the episode early for the patrons on Wednesday evening, uh, but we're mm-hmm. trying to work towards Tuesday. Um, the regular episodes, of course, release on Thursday, and mm-hmm. this week with our pod hosting issues, our patrons got the episode way before everybody else. <laughs> Which is pretty awesome. I hope, you, I hope they liked it. Yeah. But uh, Beth, you are a phenomenal person and Aww. you like <laughs> you have just like seriously like this show would be nothing without you <laughs> and <laughs> I just know I know you put in so much work and I, I feel really really bad especially like probably these last three weeks I haven't put in as much work as I should and I just am really really grateful that you um don't hate me (laughs) oh of course not I mean you've you've picked it up other times when I wasn't able to so uh you know we're we're a team we're a team so I just want to give Beth all of the (laughs) hip-hop air horns um I wanted to share a lovely tweet that we got from Sarah Tarmaster at uh Northwest Nosh she uh, uh replied to um, feminist pod not uh, not sure any, if anyone has mentioned them but you need to shout out at Fruit Loops pod she said true crime featuring POCs because uh, not all serial killers are white men that's right that's what we say yeah. every week every Wendy and week. Beth are hands down the best podcasters I'm listening to Aww. right now see mom um, I replied. <laughs> I replied to her thanks, and then she fired back at me. No, thank you for your excellent podcast, your amazing enthusiasm, cleverly put together episodes, speaking the names of the victims, and just being all around a grade amazing. You rock. Love you guys all so right. much. So to you, Miss Sarah Tarmaster, hip hop air horns. Oh, big hip hop air horns. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, as always, we we've already thanked our our Podbean patrons and our Patreon sponsors. Um, I can't read the AKAs this week because our episode is going to run kind of long. So let's get into the shit. Um, but uh, <laughs> Beth, you already uh, you already mentioned Erica. So thanks, Erica. Wally. <laughs> so uh, now we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the story when we come back. Affirmative Murder is the Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast dedicated to shining a light on the darker side of true crime. Hosted by Alvin Williams and Francis Evans. These two young... Yo! I'm in the middle of recording promo for the podcast. Do you need to eat chips right now? Yeah, man. I'm not bothering you. I'm hungry. You are bothering me. I'm not bothering you. Oh, my God. You make me so angry. Um, anyway, uh... Make sure you check out Affirmative Murder on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcast today. Hey, man, let me get a chip. No. So, uh, who 
are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Darren Dion Van, a serial killer in Gary, Indiana, who used Backpage.com to find his victims using the screen name Big Boy Appetite. Okay, that is uh, <laughs> that that the is worst a worst screen repellent, name I've ever heard. Person. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, uh, no, thank I would, you. If I saw Big Boy Appetite pop up in one of my DMs, I would throw my phone in the toilet. Like that yeah, is no, thank you. No thanks. Uh, so now we're going to get into some stats. All right. So Big Boy Appetite, a.k.a. Darren Dion Van, is a serial rapist, serial killer, and convicted sex offender. He had seven known victims. His crimes took place from July 2013 to October 2014, born in March of uh, 1971, and that was during Nixon's presidency. The Vietnam War was going on. Um, and here are the names of his victims. Rest in power, ladies. Let's speak their names. Anith Jones, 35. Tira Beatty, 28. Christine Williams, 36. Africa, two Ks in the name. Hardy. Uh, she was 19. And by the way, she was gorgeous. She was. Tracy Martin was 41. Sonia Billingsley was 53. And Tanya Gatlin was 27. And uh, all the crimes took place in Gary, Indiana. That's where Michael Jackson's from. Is he really? So, yeah. I'm pretty I sure. I did not know I that. Mean, check me on that, but I'm pretty yeah. sure. Anyway. Uh, so now we're going to dive into the setting. Take us there, Beth. So as Wendy mentioned, we're in Gary, Indiana. Gary was a city created almost overnight by the United States Steel Corporation. And in just over 20 years, it grew to be one of the largest cities in the state. Albert Gary, a key founder of U.S. Steel in 1901, brought together partners J.P. Morgan, Andrew Carnegie, and Charles M. Schwab. Those are some names. Oh, those and... are some famous rich white guys. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> I heard of them before. <laughs> and they decided to build a new industrial town in the Midwest that would produce more steel and steel products than any other place in the U.S., all right, guys. They purchased more than 8,000 acres of land stretching seven miles along Lake Michigan and two miles inland, then transformed the landscape, leveling the sand dunes to create an expansive site for furnaces and mills of the U.S. steel main plant. A U.S. steel subsidiary called the Gary Land Company took charge, shaping the town and providing basic services. They constructed houses for management and skilled workers, built a school and even a YMCA. Hey. And by 1917, U.S. Steel had completed a huge complex of steel factories, dug an industrial canal and created a harbor for Great Lakes shipping. The new community was named Gary after Albert Gary. Why guys just love naming stuff after themselves? They I'm sure telling do. you. This is mine. <laughs> I give it my name. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Give it a rest. Uh, <laughs> the superintendent of schools, William A. Wirt, developed the Gary Plan of Education, which became a national model in public education. It was strongly influenced by a business-driven movement, part of a larger movement in the early part of the 20th century that tried to increase efficiency in manufacturing through increased separation of worker roles and duties. Duty. Duties. Duties. <laughs> like She's a, a duty. <laughs> you can't take answer. Sorry. <laughs> So they took this business idea and they put it into the education system. Okay. And Wirt's system, which he called a platoon system, 
divided the students into platoons, which would then move from classroom to classroom, each room being assigned to a different subject and dedicated teacher. Some of the subjects were your basic reading, writing, and arithmetic, but some were occupational, and some of them were even arts-related. And it sounds like what we do now in our middle schools and high schools in the U.S., so the kids are moving to the different rooms for the different subjects. Right. And, And it's, you know, we're used to that, but it was absolutely revolutionary at the time, especially um, the idea of having occupational and arts classes. That's really neat. That's yeah, really, I thought Gary. that was cool. Yeah. By the way, speaking <laughs> of Indiana, you know, the former governor of Indiana, Mike motherfucking Pence. Oh, anyway, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I remember when he was running <laughs> with Trump and like, uh, one of my favorite comedians is W. Kamau Bell. And he, he like talked to his mom because she lives in Indiana. And she was right. like, y'all can, y'all can keep him. He needs to get the hell out of Indiana. <laughs> he needs like, to go. <laughs> people in Indiana were not happy with him. And uh, for good reason. Anyway, the workers who came to Gary to work in the mills were initially about 50% immigrants. Um, there were also a lot of black people coming from the American South. Great migration, which we've talked about, where black people were fleeing um, the racial violence in the South and also seeking economic opportunities so they could get jobs and um, buy homes in um, stops along the way. Northern, of the Great areas, including yeah. Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, but rigid segregation and suppression of the African-Americans in housing and in schools was a problem. Now, after World War II, many white residents moved to the suburbs. And that's what we call white flight. Uh, ask yep. your parents about it. <laughs> the growth of the steel industry brought prosperity to the community, but from the 1960s on, Gary began to decline. Economic issues caused U.S. Steel to lay off many workers, and as the city declined, crime increased, and more and more buildings were abandoned. And this is what happens when you plan a whole damn city around one industry. Mm-hmm. To keep a city going, you need some diversity. Yeah, they went real hard at this steel, like steel's going to yeah. solve all of our problems and make us all super duper rich. But they didn't. Um, uh, they didn't know, you know, they, they this was in the early 1900s. It seemed like a great idea at the time, but they didn't. I mean, I, I want to say they didn't plan ahead, but um, of course, they didn't know what was going to happen later. So right, I, I don't know. Right. But they, they basically it, did not plan ahead. <laughs> right. So today it is estimated that one third of all homes in Gary are unoccupied or abandoned. And there are a lot of cities like this around the United States right now. The population is largely African-American, but less than 80,000 people live in the city today. 55% less compared to 1960. The city faces large levels of unemployment, decaying infrastructure, and low literacy and educational attainment levels. So, um, wow, Gary sounds great. Anyway, now we're going to get into the <laughs> early life of the killer. So, hit it, Beth. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Still laughing about, oh, great. Yeah, Gary great. sounds great. Gary sounds great. I can't wait to go there. I... Van was born on March 21st, 1971 in Indiana. We couldn't find a whole lot about his early life. Um, He did at least have one brother named Reginald Beard and one sister. We don't know her name. Um, And what we do know is that Van was a Marine and that he earned his military occupation as a 7-222 Hawk missile system operator, which sounds really important, at Fort Bliss, Texas. 
Yeah, and um, we've talked about this before too that a lot of um, people of color join the military because mm-hmm. it's a, it's um, a genuine way to sort of get ahead in society. You get a good pay, um, housing benefits, health benefits. Um, so uh, a lot of a lot of black dudes and and brown dudes and poor people joined the military um because it was a way to come it was a comeuppance right um so anyway from july 1992 until september 1993 van was assigned the marine corps air station in cherry point north carolina but van was kicked out of the marine corps as a private in 1993 after less than two years of service he received an quote other than honorable end quote discharge but officials won't say why According to GIjobs.com, the most severe type of military administrative discharge is the other than honorable discharge. Examples of actions that could lead to an other than honorable discharge include security violations, use of violence, conviction by a civilian court with a sentence including prison time, or being found guilty of adultery in a divorce hearing. This list is not a definitive list. These are only examples. Mm, interesting. Um, this is totally random tangent, but like my dad was in the Navy uh-huh. and uh, he got a DUI one night. And I guess like the Navy goes and like picks up, picks up the dudes from the jail. So they, oh wow. <laughs> so like nothing Did ever. Did he get like, in he trouble? Never, he didn't get in trouble. The Navy just picked him up and like, it was like, it never happened. Um, oh, don't, anyway. don't do that again. Don't do that again. He's dead now. Anyway, a dishonorable Aww. discharge is different. <laughs> a dishonorable discharge is different in that it is a punitive discharge rather than an administrative discharge. If the military considers a service member's actions to be reprehensible, a general court martial can uh, determine if a dishonorable discharge is in order. Murder and sexual assault are perfectly good examples of situations <laughs> which would result in a dishonorable discharge. You feel me? (laughs) (laughs) Regarding Van's discharge, a Marine spokesperson said, Mr. Van's premature discharge and rank are indicative of the fact that the character of his service was incongruent with the Marine Corps' expectations and standards. Due to the associated administrative processes, further details are not releasable at this time. So in Mm. other words, we're not saying anything. Mom's the word. Um, <laughs> by the way, I haven't heard the word incongruent since I was in junior high. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I haven't heard it in a long time, and it's refreshing to hear it now. <laughs> During the time he lived in Cherry Hill, North Carolina, records show he was arrested on unspecified charges in 1993. In 1995, he married a woman named Maria who was 30 years older than him. Whoa, playa. Maria's son and Bam's stepson, Edward Matlock, said that he wasn't comfortable or happy with the marriage. Part of it had to do with their age difference, but also Matlock didn't think Van was right in the head. He talked about how creepy he was. So Yeah. Matlock said that he would not allow Van near his kids or in his house. He was leery of Van, who gave him the creeps and often talked to himself. Matlock said that the couple moved to Austin and that Van often spent time in the seedy areas of that city. Hmm. But when Van lost his job through a temp agency in Austin and he had trouble finding work, he and Maria moved back to Gary, Indiana. Matlock said that they lived in poverty there. Hmm. 
Uh, well, that could put a strain on a marriage for sure. While mm-hmm. in Gary, Van and his wife became estranged and Van began seeing another woman. Shout out to the guys at uh, True Crime All the Time. Uh, their episode 116, they interview one of the cops uh, who found Van in April 2004. So the woman that he, you know, his side piece, uh, wanted to break it off with Van. And he went to her place and was violent with her. And when she tried to escape, he grabbed her and poured gasoline on her and himself. Yikes. And he had a lighter in one hand and he had her in a chokehold and was walking backwards like, what are you motherfuckers going to do? According to court papers, at one point he shouted, bitch, you crazy. Like, yeah, uh, no, bro. She's not the crazy one who just poured gasoline and has a lighter in her motherfucking hands. He was threatening to set them both on fire when police were able to talk him down and uh, took him into custody. And he was charged with a class D felony and spent only 90 days in jail. Um, yeah, that doesn't seem is, like nearly enough. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem right at all. And also, uh, this is a domestic violence situation. And one yeah. thing that I want to point out is that a lot of women of color are subject to domestic violence and their partners are um, typically the ones who who um, perpetrate the, the violence upon them. Um, but the police don't always take it very seriously. Yeah, uh, again, yeah. 90 days in jail. So um, there you go. Yeah. Pretty much just a slap on the wrist. Yep. So once released, he decided to move back to Austin and there his behavior escalated. Van connected with a woman through an escort service and met up with her in an apartment. Then he raped, beat, and attempted to choke the woman. She came so close to dying that she was left with broken blood vessels in her left eye and pinpoint hemorrhages behind her ears. The very things a coroner looks for in determining strangulation as cause of death. So he was eventually indicted for this crime in July 2008 and sentenced to five years in prison. During this time, his 16-year marriage, wow, that's a long-ass time to be married to that lady, to Maria Dissolve. Maria last spoke to him shortly before he began his prison term in Texas. She filed for divorce in August 2009, and the divorce was granted in 2011. She later said he never mistreated her, which is really strange. Court filings in the couple's divorce said she claimed the marriage was irretrievably broke, quote-unquote. He was released on July 5th, 2013, after serving his full term. The authorities in Texas labeled him as a low-risk sexual offender, which meant that they believed he wasn't likely to commit another offense, and he was not even on parole. What the fuck? Shame on you, Texas. Um, (laughs) he He then left Austin and returned to Gary, Indiana, where he registered as a sex offender and rented a room. But he often stayed with his sister and drove her car around as he worked various maintenance and security jobs. So now that's the early life. Bye bye. Now we're going to get into the timeline. So, hit it, Beth. 
<laughs> in August 2010, Thomas Hargrove, a reporter with the Scripps Howard News Service, used an algorithm, later the basis of the Murder Accountability Project, which Hargrove founded, to mm-hmm. analyze FBI crime data. It strongly suggested a serial killer was at work in Gary, Indiana. Hargrove repeatedly urged the local authorities to investigate 15 suspicious deaths in the period 1980 to 2008, identified by his work. I actually listened to an interview with Hargrove, and mm-hmm. um, he was talking about how he, he created this, and he was like trying to like get the authorities to like do something. He's like, I'm sure there is a serial, like, look. And they're like, uh, we're good, bro. Whatever, bro. Yeah. Yeah. They really do not like having somebody tell them something. <laughs> they do yeah. not like that. Yeah. No, the police don't like. But they need to just suck it up. Right. And just listen. Agreed. A hundred percent. And um, you can check out the website. It is kind of cool. Cause you can kind of see crime data in your own you know, neighborhood Area. or back. Oh, wow. Back, uh, yeah. I'm definitely really checking cool. that out. I think it's, I think it's murder accountability project.org. I think. Um, I'm sure but, if you Google murder accountability project, you'll find it. Yeah. There you go. Um, so the local authorities denied there was any evidence showing a serial killer was at work. <laughs> Not in my town. A Gary deputy <laughs> coroner whose suspicions were also rebuffed by the local police agreed with Hargrove and also added three suspected victims to their list for a total of 18 victims. Now back to Van. Once back in Indiana, Van began trolling Backpage.com and hooking up with women that he met on there using the screen name, as we mentioned before, Big Boy Appetite. Ooh, sign me up. Give me a day. (laughs) So here's a tangent. I uh, recently listened to a podcast where they talked about Backpage.com being shut down because it's Mm -hmm. it's shut down now because of sex trafficking. Because of, yeah. Because they were trafficking young girls. Mm -hmm. Um, But that has actually caused a lot of problems for people working in the sex industry. Uh, So the podcast is Reply All, and the episode was number 190. No More Safe Harbor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So before Backpage, there was Craigslist and they had like an erotic services section of Craigslist Uh and that got shut down and then there was Backpage. Um, But before Craigslist, uh, sex workers uh, worked the streets, Mm -hmm. which was uh, more dangerous. Right. Uh, And using Backpage, workers could screen potential clients. They could Google Mm -hmm. them, look them up on Facebook, ask for references. And there Mm -hmm. were whole websites you could go to to exchange lists of bad or dangerous Johns with other sex workers. A whole generation of sex workers have never had to work the streets, and now they're having to work the streets. and Scott mm-hmm. Cunningham, an economist who studies sex work, mm-hmm. found that on average, when Craigslist opened erotic services in a city, the female homicide rate went down 17%. That is a remarkable statistic. And yeah. people need to really like take note. Like sex work has been around since the beginning of time. It's gonna be around. Yeah. It's, and it's it's not going anywhere. You so can't should, get rid of it. Yeah. Figure out a way to make it safe. These fuckos in Washington, um, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, and I I was listening to a podcast where um, this girl, these two sisters were at Jeffrey Epstein's house and Donald Trump showed up and um, Donald Trump was like eyeing the girls and uh, 
uh, Jeffrey Epstein was like, no, 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 Donald, these girls aren't for you. They're mine or something like that. Like gross. This this that is just going to keep story happening. just is gross. <laughs> it is, it is everything gross, about it's it. Like, <laughs> it's like people are still going to engage in these acts, so we need to figure yeah. out a way to make it like safe. And it seemed like with Backpage and with Craigslist that women could women and and men who were sex workers could have more um, agency and safety in engaging in this work. And now that it's not there, like it's unfortunate. Um, especially given that I think they'll probably find another way to to do it I mean I hope so yeah I hope so yeah I mean I I I I I am not knocking sex work anyway yeah that was really fascinating thank you for that stat Beth on January 14th 2014 uh Tiara Beatty she was 28 of Gary Indiana left to meet a friend and she never came back her disappearance for a few days wasn't unusual, but missing her son, Trayvon's birthday, a few days later was. Um, and I think he was turning two years old. Her family waited to hear from her for a few days, but then reported her missing later that month. As police worked the case, her boyfriend, Marvin Clinton, searched on his own for her. According to Tiara's mother, Gloria Collum, she was mentally ill and very vulnerable. She was a sweet person and very trusting. She never thought that somebody would hurt her if she didn't give them a reason to hurt her. Mm -hmm. And Marvin Clinton described her as a big hearted person, the kind of person that would give you her coat to wear if you didn't have one. But Van had strangled her to death and left her body in an abandoned house in Gary's Glen Park section, about a mile and a half from where she lived. Her body was left under a wooden bench in a room propped shut with a dresser. Van later said that he lured Beatty to the abandoned house with the promise of crack cocaine in exchange for sex uh, before strangling her with a rope. And by by the way, when I was researching this case, he would like bring ropes and extension cords with him. Like mm -hmm. he just had them on his person, which is strange. Yeah, that is strange. <laughs> <laughs> in January 2014, Tanya Gatlin, 27, of Gary, Indiana, went missing. Her body was left in an abandoned house on East 43rd Avenue. And then on February 7th, 2014, Sonia Billingsley, 53, of Gary, Indiana, was reported missing. Her body was left in the same abandoned house as that of Tanya Gatlin. Both women were last known to live in Gary. Later, Van said that when he killed Gatlin and Billingsley, he was just full of anger and just wanted to hurt somebody. Mm. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. How we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruit oh, yeah. HQ. Oh, yes. And we have both used therapy throughout our lives, including BetterHelp. And especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times, mm -hmm. challenging thoughts, feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't yeah. have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp. 
betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit. Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We'd just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. Then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? (laughs) Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ. And then what? Well, (laughs) while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if your head's in the clouds like Wendy in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store, one thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, It is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll Mm -hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection. Download your favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. That sentiment I do not understand. Um, but uh, shout out to men who get to display their signs of anger uh, all the time, <laughs> and then we women have to just be... Just deal with it. Yeah. I don't know. Just deal with it. In February 2014, Christine Casper Williams, 36, of Gary, Indiana, went missing. She was a white woman, and she was a mother of four or five kids. There are some different accounts, but she had at least four kids, though she lost custody of her children over the years. She was a drug addict whose family was aware that she was a sex worker, and her sister, Barbara Peters, said that she had pleaded with Williams to come back home to Culver, a small town about 70 miles southeast of Gary. A former stepmother said that she was a sweet girl who really wanted to raise her children, but she had an overpowering problem with drugs. Sad. According to Van, Christine Williams owed him $40 for some crack that he sold her. He believed that she had skipped town in order to avoid paying the debt, but she had actually been arrested and she spent a few days in jail. Once she was released, Van hunted her down, then beat and strangled her to death before placing her body in the basement of an abandoned home and covering it up with a plastic drop cloth. Do we know if he raped her? I don't know. Mm. On February 19th, 2014, a woman who was working as an escort slash sex worker answered a back page ad and arranged to meet Van. According to court records, when the woman arrived at the house where they had arranged to meet, Van met her outside. He put a knife to her neck and ordered her inside where he raped her multiple times. She later described the home and said it looked as if a family with kids lived there. Later, police indicated in court records that Van's brother lived at that house with his girlfriend and their small children. Oh, Lord. I know. At one point, she fought to get away, and he tied her up and raped her again. Mm. He kept her there at least two hours. He then put a hooded coat over her head, gagged her, and forced her into a car. He began to drive through town where she fought with him again, and he pulled over. She managed to free herself from the gag and scream. People nearby heard her scream and came to help her. 
One shot his gun into the air and Van then abandoned the car and ran away on foot. The woman later went to community hospital in Munster where evidence was collected. But when the police took her report, she said that the officer made her feel very uncomfortable and she did not pursue the charges. And by the way, um, when women go to hospitals to get rape kits, they call it the second rape because yeah. it is so invasive. And the question, the it's just, you are under interrogation. If, if somebody steals your TV the police aren't like, are you sure they stole your TV? What was your TV wearing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you wearing when your TV was stolen? Yeah, what were you wearing? When you, but, but rape is the only crime that, that happens. It's yeah. goddamn ridiculous. So yeah, anyway, sorry. and if the, if the officer is uh, not very sensitive, um, uh, I can only imagine how awful that would be. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't know very many police, but I have yet to see a sensitive one. So I don't know if you know of any sensitive police <laughs> other than Olivia on SVU. On, uh, SVU that's yeah. the only nice cop I know. <laughs> on June 26, 2014, Tracy Martin, 41, of Gary, Indiana, went missing. She was one of two white victims, I think. I think oh, she oh, okay. and Christina were the two white victims. Van right. choked her to death with her own necklace and left her body in the closet of a second floor bedroom in a junk littered abandoned house. Van later said that he promised to pay her for sex, but began punching her once they entered the abandoned house, eventually strangling her. He said he killed her because he was mad. And she was the first person he ran into. I wonder why he was so angry. angry. Like something must have happened yeah. to him when he in was his childhood, young, uh, or in the military, or something. Yeah, we don't have any information about that, unfortunately. We don't. But look, if any listeners happen to know a gentleman named Darren Dion Van, tell us about him. Yeah. So on October eighth, twenty fourteen, Anith Deja Jones was 35 of Maryvale in Indiana, was last seen alive. She was reported missing two days later. Jones ran a stand at a local flea market and had last been seen leaving the Gary courthouse, where she had amicably settled a dispute with someone other than Van that was so minor, police discounted it as a factor in her disappearance. According to her sister, Yolanda Noel, who was a Chicago police officer. She was a kind, loving woman. She was my favorite sister, and she was everybody's favorite aunt. She sounds lovely. Yeah. Jones's silver car was later found in a driveway outside of an abandoned house in Gary. Police who inspected the car's interior observed what they termed signs of foul play. Van had strangled her to death with an electrical cord and then left her body underneath old tires and a teddy bear in the basement of an abandoned home. According to Van, he killed her for $300 and two eight balls of cocaine. And although three dozen officers mounted a search, checking vacant lots and abandoned houses with the aid of a cadaver dog, they did not find her body. Huh. Okay. Uh, well, on October 17, 2014, Van hooked up with Africa Hardy. Africa Hardy was a beautiful 19-year-old black woman who, according to her mother, Lori Townsend, was full of life and had a beautiful smile. And I agree she did. Yep. Townsend said 
that Africa never met a stranger. She loved everybody. And that was kind of part of her problem. She was a little naive and really trusting of people. Uh, She had only recently moved to Chicago, the shy, where she had family. And she was a high school graduate and she planned to go to college, but she couldn't afford the tuition. So that's why I think she engaged in um, sex sex work. Yeah. The date with Van was arranged through Shamika Cunningham, Hardy's partner in an escort service, and she met up with Van at a Motel 6 in Hammond, Indiana. Hardy texted Cunningham that she was in the room with Big Boy Appetite a little after 5 p.m., but when the date went beyond the usual time, Cunningham began texting and calling Hardy. Cunningham received a text back that didn't make any sense and she grew suspicious so she and a male associate went to the motel around 9 30 p.m and upon arrival they found africa strangled to death in the bathtub she was naked with the shower running uh red marks could be seen on her neck where she apparently had been strangled with something thin so that's it for the timeline now let's get into the investigation and arrest what do you got for us beth A check of the motel surveillance video showed a man in a gray jacket and a dark hoodie running from the room to a dark-colored SUV. Police used Africa's phone records and traced her last activity to Van, Mm. which led them to a home in Gary. There, they spotted an SUV belonging to Van's sister, which matched the one in the hotel surveillance video. Upon being told his rights, Van quickly acknowledged that he had killed Hardy. Wow! That didn't take much time, saying he first choked her with his hands and then used an extension cord. Van was found to have Africa's pink cell phone in his possession. But why? As well as condoms that were the same style and brand as a wrapper that was found on the floor in the hotel room. Once arrested, he confessed not only to the murder of Africa, but to a total of seven women. Van told detectives he killed the women in anger and said that he was convicted in 2009 for assaulting a prostitute in Texas, which he thought was unfair. Okay. In Van's Um... mind... He had paid the prostitute that he had raped, Mm. and therefore he shouldn't have been sent to prison. Oh. He didn't kill her, Van explained. Oh, Oh, wow. Oh, 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 okay, Uh, sir. Uh, Sir, you can't do that. Uh, That's illegal. I'm I'm just baffled. Oh, my God. Uh, One by one, Van led detectives to abandoned homes in Gary and gave them intimate details of how exactly police would find the bodies. He ended up directing them to abandoned houses where they discovered the bodies of six other women in various states of decomposition. Oh, man. But then Van stopped talking. Days later, police announced charges against Van for the murder of Hardy. The news conference marked the first time that the police described him as a serial killer. In the days after, police took cadaver dogs to search for more victims within the more than 100 of Gary's 8,000 abandoned buildings and the site of the demolished Sheraton Hotel. The search focused on the city's Midtown and Glen Park neighborhoods. And as far as I can tell, they didn't find any other bodies. But that okay. doesn't mean they weren't there because they didn't right. find that other lady's body either. So Yeah. Uh Gary P D, you got some explaining to do. Um, some of the women were identified quickly while others remained Jane Doe's for for some time. And um we at the top of the episode listed the, the victims' names, but I think there's like three Jane Doe's. I replaced the names. Oh, you did? <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh. You read Never them mind. out loud. <laughs> I did read them out loud. Okay. Just edit that out or leave in whatever. whatever. Sonia Billingsley and Tanya Gaitlin were the last to be identified and were both identified in 2015 using DNA. Now his spree ended in like 2013, 2014. So it took a while for those bodies to be identified. Oh yeah. Now we are going to dive into the trial. So... What do you got, Beth? Van was charged with murder, surprisingly enough. (laughs) Okay. That sounds appropriate. (laughs) During Van's first court appearance, he refused to come out of his holding cell. When he did appear, he refused to even acknowledge his name. He refused to answer the judge and just stood unmoving and stone-faced, staring back silently. The judge then found him in contempt, and another initial hearing was scheduled. And I read that he would sometimes appear in court and sometimes he would not. And when he did appear, he could be polite or it might be a circus. He often Mm -hmm. had outbursts in court and at one time told the judge to go ahead and kill him. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so he sounds a little emotionally (laughs) unstable. A little bit. Van was charged in February 24th, 2016 with battery by bodily waste after he threw a carton filled with urine and feces at a correctional officer. Ugh. Yeah, disgusting. Um, by the way, uh, so there is a documentary on Amazon Prime. Uh, uh-huh. Jay-Z is the executive, executive producer, and it's about Meek Mills. You know who Meek Mill is? No. Free Meek. The Free Meek movement. So Meek Mill is a rapper. Is it called Free Meek, the documentary? Yeah. Okay, I've I've seen it on there, but I haven't watched it yet. It's really good, and it is just about um, his experience in the justice system and how just really fucked up his experience was. He had a terrible judge. Um, he kept going back into prison um, for, like, really, like, stupid stuff. He was accused of selling drugs when he was a teenager. And for the past like 20 years, he's just been in and out of the system because the judge will like see him on Instagram riding bicycles or the judge saw him on Instagram, like drinking or like, so he just is always, so now he's an advocate for, um, for criminal justice reform. And so is Jay Z, but, uh, he talks about how there was when he was in solitary dudes, um, getting raped dudes throwing urine and feces on the wall and at the guards it's just, it is gross. um really really gross and i don't think prisons are like that in like more civilized countries anyway <laughs> on, on march 8th 2016 van was also charged with rape and attempted murder uh criminal deviate conduct and uh criminal confinement related to the separate incident that occurred with the woman that he met at his brother's house the woman had recognized him on TV. Yeah. So Van eventually accepted a plea deal and he pled guilty to all seven murders. And on May 25th, 2018, he was sentenced to life in prison. As part of his plea deal, prosecutors agreed not to file other charges against Van in Lake County unless related to a homicide. In the event other murder charges are brought against him in Lake County, prosecutors agreed not to seek the death penalty against Van. So uh, speaking of the death penalty, I listened to Woody, what's Woody's podcast? The guy from Louisiana who used to be a cop, he has a great podcast, and I can't remember oh, the name. Oh, uh, Real Life, Real Crime? Yes. Yeah. And something I hadn't considered before is how expensive it is to keep a prisoner who's sentenced to death 
not alive, but they're going through all these appeals and just oh, yeah. the amount of money that is spent um, and, and, and them fighting their case while they are on death row is astronomical. Yeah, it's more expensive to execute somebody than it is to, or to keep them on death row than it is to uh, keep them in prison for life. It, it's definitely yeah, I more had expensive. No idea. I had no idea. So yeah. Um. Anyway, so where are they now? Uh, Van is currently housed at Wabash Valley Correctional Facility in Indiana on a life sentence. He's in prison for life. Van's brother Reginald Beard told a reporter for the Chicago Tribune to the victims, "I'm sorry for their loss. I'm a father of two daughters myself." Yeah, and I think his family was pretty shocked. They had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can, can you can imagine, I mean, it's somebody you love who all of a sudden has done these horrible things. And how do you how do you reconcile how do you deal with uh, that? Yeah. The, the person that you knew and loved and all the terrible things that he or she did. Yeah. Kind of hard. Yep. Marvin Clinton, Tiara Jones's boyfriend, is raising his and Tiara's son, Trayvon, on his own. Trayvon is seven now. In January of this year, two of the abandoned houses where bodies were found were torn down. One of them was the house where Tiara Beatty was found. Marvin Clinton built a memorial to Beatty there shortly after her body was found, and it's still there. He goes there frequently to cut the grass and maintain it. Wow. Um, that's pretty remarkable. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, Indiana Mayor Karen Freeman Wilson said all five of the vacant houses where Van hid women's bodies have been targeted for demolition. Quoted in a Chicago Tribune article, she said, they represent our effort to provide solace for the families. You can't bring the loved ones back. You can't relieve the pain of the loss, but you can uh, take away the reminder. And Chicago must be really close to Gary because I think so. Yeah, there's a lot of Chicago mentioned in this story. Yeah, I don't know. The Midwest is a foreign land to me. So sorry. (laughs) Freeman Wilson said once the houses are gone, the city could establish a memorial garden on the sites if family members agree. We will work with the families and block clubs in those areas. It will be something of a tribute not only to their deaths, but to their lives. Marvin Clinton said he's been part of these discussions and he looks forward to plans for the memorial garden. As far as I can tell, they haven't done that yet. They've just demolished the two houses. It's better than nothing. Yeah. An estimated timeline of Van's whereabouts based on mailing addresses and voter registration records compiled by the Daily Beast shows Van could have been in the Austin, Texas area at the time of the murders of four women strangled there from 1996 to 2006. Also, according to the Daily Beast, looking at strangulation murders in Gary between 1991 to 2014, there could be as many as 26 victims killed by Van. Wow. Yeah. And according to Thomas Hargrove, who we mentioned earlier, the guy who created the algorithm that uses Mm -hmm. FBI homicide data to identify clusters of murders, Mm -hmm. a number of sex workers were killed in the Gary, Indiana area from the early 1990s through the 2000s. The deaths stopped for several years, a date range that strangely matches the time Van spent in prison in Texas. Interessante. Yeah. And then they started back up again in 2013 when Van was released from jail and moved back to Indiana. So I'm thinking most likely there's there's a lot more victims. I think so, too. I I, I 
wholeheartedly agree yeah. that uh, he was responsible for way, way more. But I always thought these dudes were like narcissistic and like wanted to like brag about their crimes. But he just kind of clammed up after yeah, admitting, all of them. To, yeah. admitting to seven. Yeah, they don't all want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe Barbara Walters will interview him and he'll tell us more. <laughs> um, so now we're going to get into what we think made the killer snap. And also our takeaways from the story. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Beth. So as we talked about earlier, this was a really, really angry guy. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say why, because we couldn't find any information about his early life. But to me, he seems like he has mommy issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, he married a woman 30 years older than him. So that indicates to me that he likes to be mommied. <laughs> and, and there's a hole somewhere in there that needs to be filled. Um, okay. And I think mommy issues are, are to men what daddy issues are to women. 100%. Yeah, they can stem from an overbearing mother or from neglect or absence. Also, in our society, boys are taught not to show emotion from a very young age, except for anger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Although, um, you know, some some people don't even allow them to to express anger and when a mm -hmm. boy is never taught how to deal with his emotions like instead of talking about what's going on how how, how are you feeling why are you angry stuff like that um mm -hmm. maybe his parents just told him to shut up or or even worse made fun of him and mm -hmm. when he gets older and something happens and he experiences strong emotions he he doesn't know how to handle it and either shuts down or blows up and it sounds like his wife's description of him as being pretty laid back and that he never treated her badly um, was him never showing emotion. And then maybe when he did get angry, he'd just stuff it, keep it to himself until he could find someone outside of the family to take it out on. Um, and then these women were vulnerable and easy prey. The abandoned houses made it easy for him to hide the bodies and get away with murder. So that's my thoughts on him. And I have to say, throughout the whole story, um, I felt really bad for Sonia Billingsley and Tanya Gatlin because I couldn't find much information about them at all. Um, well, I wanted to say, just to your point about him not showing um, emotion, so Black men and black people have really only been true American citizens since the 1960s when LBJ did the um, Civil Rights Act. Um, mm -hmm. And before that time, black people were not allowed to sort of be full people. That's true. And You're right. So when a black person would go into a store before then, even a little bit after but when a black person would go into a store black people couldn't try on they couldn't try on the clothes they had to just buy them and hope that they fit um and so there's this idea of black parents might seem really strict but it's it's really to protect yeah to protect them from getting um lynched or getting beaten or getting arrested that makes sense um, yeah so him not showing emotion i think has to do with conditioning for uh, survival for a black yeah. person in the United States. That makes and a lot so, of sense. I never thought about that. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to throw that out there. A, a lot of these, because uh, uh, he, he was born in the 70s, but his parents were probably 
black people from from another time, another age when it was really dangerous to be out in public and like, you know, just being. And so you had to be really, really careful. Yeah. And it's hard to say, you know, his parents might have been older. Mm -hmm. Like my parents were older and my sister likes to joke about how we were brought up in the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, It could have been something similar for him since we don't know. Yeah. About. Right. His early life. Yeah. That's my suspicion is that he probably wasn't allowed to show emotion because it was dangerous. Yeah. I was just thinking so. about, you know, uh, parents who don't allow their their children to show emotion. I didn't even consider the racial aspect, but that is a really good point. That's really Thank good. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you. Yeah. So now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. So (laughs) if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. But today, okay, so I'm going to try to go through these really fast so the episode isn't too long. So um, here are some safety tips from sex workers from an article on Medium, which will we will link in our show notes about meeting people online. Use Google and Google the dude or lady or whatever, you know, whatever, what have you, whatever your preference is, whatever you got to do to get that paper. Google whatever information you have on this person, name, email, phone number. You can even do a reverse Google image search for their profile photos. Verifyhim.com is a website that allows you to uh, take basic information, first name, last name, email address, phone number, to do a search that goes a little bit deeper than Google. The results can include everything from social media information to information about how this person treats sex workers. Tin Eye is another reverse image search. Uh, People, P-I-P-L, can find almost anything you want to find and perhaps some things you do not. Whether it is someone's social media network, any information listed on a web page, even if it's old. And when you search for a screen name, it will find pretty much anything associated, even the URL of a Pinterest profile. And finally, trust your motherfucking gut. Pay attention to how a person asserts their opinion, especially if you disagree on an issue. Take note of how they treat other people. Take note of how they respond to you as you speak. Are they aggressive without provocation? Are they strangely ambiguous about details in their personal life, particularly things that seem unusual to be vague about? If you feel there is something that just feels wrong about this person, pay attention to that feeling. Don't talk yourself out of it. I know you want to get that paper. You want to get that bag. But uh, you got to protect yourself. So now we are going to dive into some serial killer and true crime news. So it looks like you got something good, Beth. 
Yeah. So the I-95 killer, Gary Ray Bowles, was executed last Thursday, August 22nd at Florida State Prison. And I don't know if I've ever heard of this guy. Have you? Uh-uh. Nope. Not, 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 not a one bit. So Bowles brutally murdered six gay men on the East Coast between March and November of 1994. He encountered most of his victims in gay bars, offering them sex in return for money and a place to stay, and then strangled or bludgeoning them and stealing their credit cards. Mm-hmm. Bowles appeared on America's Most Wanted multiple times and made the FBI's Most Wanted list. Whoa. And because everybody always wants to know, his last meal was three cheeseburgers and french fries. <laughs> That's it? Yep, that's it. Three cheeseburgers and french fries, which sounds pretty good to me. Although, I don't think I could eat all that, especially before being executed. Although, maybe they were little cheeseburgers. Maybe, like, sliders? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, maybe they were. Uh, But we were talking about diversifying in the beginning of the episode. (laughs) Diversifying Uh the industries. Like, diversify your food, bro. Like, that's it. (laughs) That's it. That's all you get. Well, it may be that he didn't have much of a choice. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for that news story, because that is fascinating. Um, Now we're going to get into our shout out portion of the show where we shout out any content by people of color or any um, true crime goodies, anything from basically if it's not created by a straight white dude, we're going to shout it out. (laughs) So what do you got, Beth? So I'm going to shout out the podcast Criminal. It's one of the more professional sounding podcasts. It's hosted by a woman named Phoebe Judge, who used to work in public radio. Mm -hmm. So it's like This American Life Had a Baby with a True Crime Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Do your Phoebe Judge impression. (laughs) I'll go. Okay, you go. This is Phoebe Judge and... (laughs) Welcome to Criminal, a podcast about crime. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this <laughs> is Criminal. <laughs> oh my God, I totally ruined your shout out. But like uh, Michael Barbaro and his like orgasm, uh, like when he's like, mm, mm. Yeah, Who like he's is always- it? Michael Barbaro on The Daily? It's a New York Times. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna fast forward. Gross. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, 120th episode that came out on August 2nd called "The Tunnel." talks about convict leasing in the late 1800s and how brutal it was which we've touched on before uh, but this really gets into like how awful it was Um, and it was very affecting to me and I highly recommend giving it a listen because it will bum you out yay it will bum you the fuck out (laughs) so um well Thank you so much. Now, where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit 
Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. We also have merch on our website now at fruitloopspod.com forward slash merch. Get you some merch. Get 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 drip drippy, lady lady with Fruit Loops <laughs> Pod merch. Uh, Mom, you still haven't bought a mug. Anyway, this <laughs> is a weekly podcast, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So, until next time, guys, look alive. It's crazy out there. Redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbocasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.
So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6000 cash, give us each 3000 we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.